Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to starting a counseling practice where we bring you stories of counselors and therapists who have been there, done that to help inspire you, to help you avoid the pitfalls that others have faced, um, and also to introduce you to amazing therapists from across the country and around the world. Mm -hmm. Today we have Mary Ruth Stanley here. Um, sharing her story of starting a counseling practice. Mary Ruth, thank you for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my honor. It's my privilege. Thank you. Fantastic. So do you want to start just by letting people know um, where you're located and a little bit about what your practice makeup looks like right now? And then we'll kind of backtrack as to how you got to where you are. Sure. So I am located in Riverside, California, though I'm looking at expanding elsewhere. So that's kind of big, exciting news for me, but that's where I am now. And my current uh, caseload um, consists of mostly individuals, a few couples, um, some insurance and some private pay. And I feel like I'm being interviewed during a transitionary period of I feel like I've been in multiple transitions over the course but I'm sure all of that will come out as we talk yes okay awesome so in one minute or less why did you decide to become a therapist all of my friends were coming to me for advice junior high high school they loved what I had to say I found it much easier to listen than to speak because I'm an introvert. And so it just felt like a natural fit. Awesome. So did you end up going straight through to get your, um, to get your graduate degree in licensure? And Pretty much. Yeah. I, I started like uh, doing my general ed and I wasn't sure if I was going to be teaching or counting, although I think somewhere deep inside, I knew that, uh, psychology was a little bit more up my alley, although I find that as a therapist, there's a lot of teaching kind of involved, but pretty much, yeah, straight path. Awesome. So how long did it take you to finish graduate school? And then how long from there did it take to get licensed fully? Ooh, okay. So grad school, I decided to have a child. So I took a five-year plan um, because I did take, I think, a semester or two off. And then when it comes to licensure, so just before I got licensed, um, I moved back east with my husband at the time to follow his career, uh, not knowing that it was going to be very difficult to get licensed out there. So while I was at like the limit, um, I got to get licensed now. I flew back to California a couple of times to get my license, but I feel like I, I was on my own path. I took a lot longer than a lot of people and that, hey, because that was the path that was right for me. Yeah. But I think you bring up a couple of points for people who are listening. If they are earlier on their process, if you want the flexibility of being able to move and be in flow in terms of for just for your own self or for our partner's um, work, 
can be very difficult with this licensure. And there are some licensures now that are expanding to create multi-pack compacts where you'll be able to be licensed or have some options be licensed in multiple states. But that is still really in flux. Psychologists have that um, in several states, but not in, I wouldn't even say the majority, right? I think it's like 12 states or something for the SIPACT. Um, so it's something to really explore. Um, I think that's probably, you know, one of those places that they did not prepare us when we were applying for graduate school to say, hey, by the way, this kind of program isn't going to take you outside of California. Like my program was not particularly conducive. It wasn't a co-amped accredited program um, because I was an MFT. So, you know, those are definitely those pieces that came together. So as you got licensed, um, what was your first step? Did you go straight into agency or nonprofit or did you go straight into not to private practice? Uh, I went into an agency setting and it wasn't too long after that, that I just started baby stepping my way. So I would take one day out of the week and kind of start to try to get some cash pay clients. So most of my income was coming from the agency. And then I just slowly started ramping up. Mm. And so I kind of made the transition. I was married at the time, which made it a lot easier for me because mm -hmm. there was a lot of income there. So mine was just a little bit more supplemental. Um, I'm in a different place now trying to do the same thing by way of getting off of insurance and going cash. But now like the onus is completely on me because I'm single. And so that has been the challenge. And that's where you all came in to help. Yeah, it can. I think that can be a really scary piece. And I think, I think this is the other piece that we don't often talk about. There is a lovely privilege in, in having another stream of income. Maybe it's an agency or maybe it's a partner, right? Um, and sometimes that creates dynamics that are really unhealthy for us and that are unsustainable. So, you, you know, sometimes we create a business that we're like, this business totally works for me. As long as it's being supplemented by a quote unquote grown up income, then I have the privilege of taking these low paying insurance panels or doing this other piece. Yeah. And so we look around sometimes at other therapists and we go, well, you know, they can take insurance or they can slide down like that, or they can do fill in the blank. Why can't I? Well, if you don't have a separate income or if your spouse isn't a high earner or if fill in all the different blanks and, and, and different privileges that people may have, it just may not be an option period end of story. Yes. Although I will say it works the opposite way. When I've looked at other people who have made the jump, it's easy for me to kind of stay in my cocoon and say, well, it's easy for you because you have another income. I could never do that. And it's like, mm, that's limiting belief. Yeah, it, it goes on both sides of it. And and for me, I know when I was starting my, my counseling practice, um, it was, I think it was number one, first I was breastfeeding. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to even leave the house and get like childcare and do this stuff, like it needs to be an income that like makes it worth it. Like, what is the point? And then the second thing was that very quickly my spouse was laid off. 
um, during the recession. So it was just this place of like, well, okay, now it really is not an option. And then third, because I was newly licensed less than two years and people said, well, you can't get on insurance panels. I'm like, okay, well, cool then. Like there's no other option. Here we go. And I'm so thankful for all three of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Truly um, from starting out from that, um, from that place of like need. Um, And, and I think that's, that's that little, like going back to where you're at right now, like, oh, I need to make this change. There's no other option. And it's really scary, right? When you are on your own income wise, it's scary. Yeah. And you bring up a great point. You said need, there's also a piece of want. And what I discovered is they say um, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Mm -hmm. But when we look at, um, what was it, Apollo 13, like, we need to get those astronauts back. Well, I mean, we didn't have to, heaven forbid the tragedy, right? Mm -hmm. But life for everyone else would go on, but we had a very strong desire. And I think about like the bookcases behind me and one of my friends helped me design that. And there was a piece that I wanted. And so everything was off the bookcases and we put and we rearrange and we rearrange and we rearrange. And the way that we did was failure is not an option. So one way or another, the pieces that I loved were gonna go up there. And it took a long time. But we made it happen because we didn't allow the um, the option of not being an option to be an option. Like it was just going to work. So I think about that for me now, yeah. getting off of insurance, hopefully, and going to cash. I just really have to look at it like it's not an option. So what needs to be rearranged mm-hmm. to make it possible? Yeah. And I think this is the piece for for people that are listening you know, there are places where insurance reimburses really well. There are scenarios where the the process of getting your reimbursement or having staff to pay them to do your insurance billing where it really is in flow. California tends not to be one of those places. Um, A lot of times people look at like, oh, California, like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, the cost of living is high, but you make a lot of money there. And of course, with the cost of living being so high, the reimbursements must be like related to that. And have you found that to be true? No, I can tell you, I can tell you firsthand experience. Now I will, I will say this was a few years ago, but I highly doubt anything's changed. But when I was living back East, I worked for um, a group practice. And Mm -hmm. so I saw what the reimbursement rates were and they seemed pretty good. And so I thought moving back to California, they would be even more in California as opposed to Delaware. Yeah, like rural Delaware. No, they not. I was shocked. Yeah, shocked. And and I've seen that over and over again. Um, and most people, I mean, you can't talk about your reimbursement rates, right? As a as a therapist, for me as a coach, because people can share it with me so that I can help them navigate it. I have kind of this. I I have a lot of knowledge as to what's happening, and again, in rural areas, often um, in these different places, in places in Ohio, in Arkansas, in in New Jersey, you're just like, what? Why? How does that work? So this scenario that we that we often come to of thinking, well, the math must work out. Well, the math often doesn't. And again, sometimes this can be because we as therapists aren't doing the math, 
before we say yes. And often because the way the process works for getting credentialed, you don't know what the reimbursement rates are often unless someone told you until you've already put in a ton of time and energy and work and you've already kind of planned for it. And there's something called the like sunk cost fallacy, right? Which is one of those like, well, I've already spent 30 hours and six weeks or $600 or however much money to do this. Well, I guess this is, this is just what it is and I'll make it work without stopping and going, well, wait, does $68 really work for me for this CPT code? Like, does that really make sense when I did my math and I looked at it all and I realized I needed to make 92 on average or 160 on average or whatever the dynamic is, right? No, no, no judgment on that. But like, what does that really look like? Like, how am I going to bridge the gap between 68 and 92? Like, where does that come from? Yes. And I think for me, I found that there's a difference between short-term thinking and long-term thinking. So like right now I look at, well, my caseload is not full. I might as well take a 68 because 68 is better than zero mm-hmm. as opposed to, okay, hang on. So with that logic, I will consistently be taking in 68 and 50 and $5 is better zero as opposed to I mean, obviously, if if I'm extremely hard up and, and I can't pay my bills, that's one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But it's another thing if I'm just getting in, everything's okay. If I say no to the 68, for the long term, I need to be able to plug somebody else in there. Yeah. And so I, I have found that there's a completely different mindset between the short term as opposed to the long term. It's it's sort of like going to grad school, right? Like we could have made a lot more money if we'd gone straight into the workforce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we didn't have the student loans or whatever the dynamic is. Um, so it's this it's this funny kind of space. So let's talk about where you're at right now in that transition and shifting from that short term, like, hey, this is the safe. I know insurance is going to fill me up yeah. to this long term thinking. What's been happening for you? professionally, emotionally, as you have been going through that transition? Well, I'm actually, I feel like I'm in the middle of a transition, but excuse me, as I said before, like when I had started working with you all, I was, I've transitioned a few times and I feel like now I'm kind of hitting my stride maybe. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of, you know, being mindful of what's happening short term, but ultimately, where do I want to end up? Because if I'm so focused on this, which has been historically my life, I don't get to curate the business and the life that I really want. And that's one of the things that you all helped me with a lot. And so like right now, I'm totally revamping my entire website. I'm getting a social media thing going, and I'm looking at starting a podcast. So there's all these things that I never would have dreamed of doing. Um, And when I did start to dream about doing, uh, I definitely was very afraid. And when I I kind of started to put it out there, I'm going to start a podcast so that other people would kind of hold me accountable in a way. Whereas before I had told a couple select people, oh, I thought about it. And so when I revisited it with them, they're like, oh, good. You've been talking about that for so long. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I have been talking about that for so long. And so I've tried to shift my mindset. Um, You all have been so positive and supportive. And I've seen so many therapists do so many crazy outlandish things that are really not that crazy or outlandish because they're doing it, right? Like dream big. 
And so I'm like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? I like do it. And then I'm like, "Mm, okay, I really don't like this. Or I do it and something else happens, but at least I can say I did it. At least I can say I did it. Yeah. I think that's the piece is it's sort of like at a certain point, the procrastination is costing you so much more than even like the failing of it. So here's the example that's coming or the visual that's coming up to me right now. It's sort of like my friend wanting me to try oysters and it just was not like the thing that like, whatever, (laughs) you know, like it was just such an uncomfortable piece. She was visiting and I'm literally like sitting there and I'm staring at the oyster like, why? Like everything in my system was just not attracted to this, like being able to do this thing. And then I see her go to get out her phone to try to like record a video of me trying oysters for the first time. I'm telling you, I was so motivated to get that taken care of. Like I was like, oh, okay. And then it was like, okay, how did, what do I feel about this? And I was like, you know what? This was not life-changing for the cost of oysters. Like this needs to be something, not that like something that I like develop a taste for over time. Like if I'm going to, develop a taste for something. I'd like it to be cheap. Like, I don't, maybe I'm just a cheap person, but I'm like, I don't want to be like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing when I'm like, okay, that's an interesting texture. But, but again, how long do we sometimes wait to go through the process of, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's on the plan. It's on the plan. And it's keeping me from even trying other things. Right. So even if I do the thing, right, like Kelly and I just just wrote the book or wrote a book, wrote our first like full size book, right? Even if like I got to that and I went, okay, we wrote the book. I, I hated the process. I hated everything about it. Like it didn't, didn't help anybody. It was just sat collecting dust on people's shelf. At least I could say like, okay, like I did the thing. Do I, and do I want to do that again? No, I don't right? Or now I'd be like, oh, I wrote a book and I've already had people like crying on videos, showing me and going, oh my God, this like finally got, like it clicked something. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is worth it for this. Even for this one person, like I see the value. But if we're sitting like in that in-between thing for years, right? And I think there's a lot of people who've been sitting on that, especially when it comes to decisions, raising fees, dropping insurance panels for years, we're actually give people a calculator where they're going to fill out a form and it's going to tell them how much money they will gain or how much money they will lose if they don't make the change. So it actually goes into, hey, here's my average um, insurance reimbursement. What does that look like based on my, how many clients I see, how many weeks a, a, a year I work? If I drop the lowest paying and I increase my my average reimbursement by even 20%, how does that impact my annual income? Mm. So you can see like, oh, like, and I've done several scenarios that are very normal scenarios. And I'm like, that's $36,000. That's $52,000. Like suddenly you see it like in black and white and it becomes not this ethereal thing. And I think especially when you have the same expenses. Like you're not increasing your expenses to drop insurance. In fact, a lot of times you're lowering them and you go, all of that is profit. All of that is 
the student loans I haven't paid off, all of that is the retirement I haven't been submitting to, all of that is the savings account for vacation and sick time that I haven't been submitting to, all of that is all the things that I need for when an emergency happens. It's not even, again, this idea of like, oh, that's just me $56,000 in my pocket that I can go and do a, you know, spend a ton of money. It's, it's usually, it's like all the things that you really do need that you've been kind of working paycheck to paycheck or credit card bill to credit card bill. And it's like not really sustainable. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think as therapists, a lot of us the very strong, like compassionate, empathetic, caring for others muscle. The opposing muscle for a lot of people is the more business side. And so I know I'll just speak for myself. I know that's true for me. And so the fact that uh, I really should be raising my rates because all of my expenses, everything since COVID has gone through the roof. I haven't I mean, I did raise my rates maybe a couple years ago, but before that it had been, I don't know, five or six years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh my gosh, that would be mean and people can barely afford me now and I can barely get cash now and whatever, whatever um, is all exercising this muscle as opposed to I need to take care of myself, which is not selfish. I need to do what's best for me so that I can give you the best. And everyone knows I need therapy. So am I going to go find a therapist who is, you know, judging what I can afford? Not necessarily. So I'm having to pay cash and I'm paying more. And so that's another expense. And so I have my own expenses. I have to take care of myself. So again, I can take care of my clients. I don't want to resent my clients coming in. I want to be able to give them the best of me as opposed to earned out therapists who I'm just here barely scraping by. And so therefore I have to take care of the other muscle and exercise it. You know, what's interesting is when you said like the, the complimentary muscle of like taking care of others and you said business, my first thought was, oh, it's not actually business. It's taking care of me is the complimentary muscle. And then as you're describing everything about the business, it was about, I need to take care of me. That is the complimentary piece of it. And I think sometimes we, we call it business so that we can kind of put it outside. Like, Mm. oh, those are numbers. Oh, that's business. As opposed to saying, no, that's really like self-care. It Mm. really is like, I need food. (laughs) I need gas. I need health insurance. Like I, I deserve the kind of care that I'm giving to my clients. I deserve the kind of attention and rest that I want for my clients and that I'm advocating for them to set those boundaries. These are all the boundaries I'm setting for myself as well. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that is, we Mm -hmm. often are so good at taking care of others at the expense of ourselves. And I think this other piece too, that I see a lot is this toxic positivity uh, we will spin anything like we'll just spin it and spin it and spin it. Cause you know, that's cognitive behavioral therapy and we'll do it right. And like, you can't spin all this y'all. Like at a certain point we have to say like, Oh, this really doesn't work. This isn't sustainable. Like this isn't caring for me. My body mm-hmm. is crying and screaming and saying that this isn't okay. Yeah. And I can't ignore it any longer. Well, yeah, and I wouldn't want my client to ignore it any longer. So why am I ignoring it for me? So how about I role model for my client, right? Whoa, 
<laughs> Crazy talk. Crazy talk. So what advice would you have for other therapists who are out there like you? I think especially therapists who are who are starting out and who are trying to navigate um, starting a private practice, like what are the things you wish you had known so you could have done differently from the beginning? Hmm. I think I wished I would have stopped to truly dream about what I want my practice life to be like. Hmm. What it's one thing to get on the road and just meander. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go wherever we're going to go. Um, you you drive differently, you navigate the car differently than if you actually have a destination. Yeah. So if I know I want this, I'm probably not going to go over there. Mm-hmm. I may kind of do, do a little bit of this, but ultimately I know I want to wind up here. So do I want to have a practice? private practice? Do I want to work for an agency? What are the benefits and, and, and being flexible to know that my desires may change, my life situation may change. Um, And just because I want to have a private practice doesn't mean I have to jump in, I can absolutely start at an agency and slowly work my way over. Um, But what is in my best interest, in order to get there to wherever it is I want to go, and to make the baby steps, or leaps, whichever, in order to get there. I never thought, well, I can't say never, but I didn't really think too hard about what exactly do I want. Eventually, maybe private practice, maybe group practice, I don't know, maybe, who knows, without saying, I'm going to at least try it and see if I like it. And I, I did wind up here, obviously, and I do like it, but I think I would have maybe gotten here a little bit sooner. And what kind of practice do I want? Do I want to accept insurance? Or am I just hearing everyone says you have to? Um, or everyone says never accept insurance, always go cash. Okay, well, maybe I want to accept insurance. Like, what's the pluses and the minuses? What are the reasons why you're choosing your way? Because you're saying, I don't like this. Maybe I like that. So maybe that would work for me. So getting input, like dreaming what I want and maybe getting input first would be the, the two things I would say. Yeah. I mean, and it may be like if you were living in Delaware with the cost of living in Delaware and the reimbursements, you might have a completely different practice, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that leaving room to really explore what makes sense, like what's right for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's okay to shift. It's okay to change. But I love that idea too, of like putting everything on the table, like everything's on the table. I get to try it or I get to say, yes, I get to say no. There's nothing that's off limits that says like, well, I I must take insurance or I must not. It's all on the table. I get to explore. I get to do my math. My math would look different in Delaware. I imagine your math would look different in Delaware than it does now today, right? It just looks different in Riverside County. And so we go, oh, there's no judgment about that. And, and, And I think sometimes for us as therapists, especially for a lot of us in, you know, online groups, Facebook groups, Facebook groups can be amazing. Like, let me be clear. And over time, I've seen them to be a lot of like groupthink and a lot of like all or nothings, you know, it's either, oh, you have to, and insurance rates are fine. Like people are telling you lies or people, oh no, they're not. Well, we're not leaving room for this 50,000 people across the United States 
you might both be right. <laughs> like, there's no dichotomy here. There's no like sides. Um, it really is like what, what makes sense for me? Like for me as a neurodivergent, not naturally organized person to manage through, um, insurance on my own and navigate through, <laughs> that's not great for me. Like that was never going to be great for me yeah. ever, ever. Um, and so leaving some space for that. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And not, and not comparing myself with others, right. Yeah. Just because I'll tell you somebody that I used to supervise, um, has now gone on and has opened at least, I think two locations, if not three. It's super easy for me to say, oh my gosh, I've been licensed for so long. I supervise this person. He's only been licensed like a couple of years and he's already launching two to three group practices. Oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. Hmm. I should totally do this. And then it's like, oh, hang on. Do you want to do that? Because at one time I thought I wanted to. And then I have to be honest with myself and go, no, that's actually not what energizes me. That doesn't breathe life into me. So no, good for him. Yay for him. That's just not my thing. And it's not reflective of I'm older. So that's the no. other thing. Just, my journey is my journey. What I want to do is what I want to do. And I'm good with that. It's beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I just think this was such a great conversation. I am so excited for you. And I look forward to us chatting when you're on the other side of this transition yeah. as well and getting to the next iteration of your practice. And I, I also want to take just a moment to, to normalize that. Like for most of us, we have a lot of iterations of our business and our practice. And that doesn't mean that like anyone is necessarily better than the other, but they do sometimes they get closer to being life-giving. They look, look they look, move closer to being in flow. Um, and so it's not something where we just get to share our stories or celebrate success when we get to some magical endpoint. Um, we get to just look all, at all points in the process. So well, I would like to I would like to thank you and Kelly and just everybody involved because if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't be where I am like right now and I'm still not at my end point. Um, you bring up like the idea of progress, not perfection. And that's definitely something I've become more comfortable with, but hadn't been for just the input in many different ways, I would definitely not be where I am. So thank you very much for that. You're most welcome. Always happy to help. All right. So if you're looking to start your private practice or you're already in private practice, we have free resources for you. You can go to zinnime.com forward slash free. And of course, we have the business school for therapists with specialized tracks, whether you're starting from scratch, struggling to get full, already successful, or a group practice owner. Until next time, y'all, have a great day and know that you are worthy and that you're needed and people need what you provide very uniquely and specifically. So know that whatever you're dreaming of, like there's a reason you're being pulled in that direction. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.